You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. This weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete in a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes through the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total fucking prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hubs for Habs content. What's up, Mason? Welcome back, bro. Oh, um, fucking caught me off guard, guard there. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna retake that. No, fuck it. One and uh, done. One and done here at Habs Nightly always. Um, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm currently recording, laying down in my bed right now. Jesus, you know, like uh, this is probably way over your head, but uh, Marvin Gaye, uh. Did uh did like a live set uh and people were the documentary documentary I watched dude was so blown away this dude was just hitting high notes on just laying back on a couch bands playing around and he's just laying on the couch so you just belting it Marvin Gaye slaps dude anyway <laughs> yeah my boys had a tough one uh it's off at one goes back for eleven <laughs> the dedication oh, the, biggest, the biggest bullshit ever. Yeah, yeah. So I got you with the McDouble, huh? Double, double. <laughs> basically pulled the double. I worked at, I worked from five p.m. to one a.m. on Saturday night, and these fuckers at McDonald's booked me again at eleven a.m. on Sunday. So I got to my house at like one thirty, and I told them last night I was like, you know, when I when I wake up late. You guys have no right to be mad at me. And they laughed thinking I was joking. Nah, I rolled in there at 11.45 this morning. As you should. And I felt no guilt. My conscience was clear. Nah, man, you're young. They got to... I've seen, I've seen so many employees try to take advantage of, like, that youth and just call you in last minute or 
I know, like you said, it was on the, it was on the, the schedule for like a fucking month. But uh, to schedule young guys like that or, or young people like that is uh, it is bullshit. And I, lo- I love that this this generation just like I don't give a fuck, dude. Like <laughs> I don't give a fuck coming in when I can. You know, <laughs> you're not about to break me. Fucking minimum wage, baby. Like fuck that. I think at the end of the day, like no job is worth like you being there all the time, right? If it's not your passion. 100%. So. I agree with that. I, uh, because I did that, you know, like, let me be for all you young fucking people out there. Let me be the one to tell you that if you're afraid that, oh, I don't know if I can, if my job would let me take a week off to go do something fun, fuck them. It's probably not the job you're going to be with in five years. Fuck it. Go on your vacation because I spent my entire 20s chasing money and staying, you know, truthful to a company that. At the end of the day, didn't give a fuck about me, you know, just needed me to be a body there. So, you know, as you're young, go do, go do that adventurous shit, dude. Try things. Fucking don't show up for work. <laughs> I don't care. You know, just, just don't be afraid to think that, you know, like you, you got to be perfect for, you know, your first or your second job. They don't give a fuck about you. You know, if you're not passionate there. Fuck them. Well, yeah. And I think too, like, I think everyone has to like for me personally like i'm in this job and it's like a job to pay for school right but like 100%. i wouldn't want to spend 12 hours every day doing that i'd rather spend 12 hours every day doing this right because this is passion mm-hmm. and while we're on the subject of passion i think we got to talk about that habs leafs game i uh, unfortunately if we're what they'll be listening to this monday so if you're aware, the game on Saturday was working. I sadly was aligned, and I have I have a confession to make. Um, it might get me crucified, but I uh, I took my break at the start of the second, and the Habs were winning two nothing. I hadn't watched the game at all. It looked like the boys were playing good, and I may have watched about five minutes of that hockey game. And every time I turned that game on the leaf scored within 30 seconds. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I cursed the Habs. They lost because of me. We can't blame the boys. Um, I should have just put down my fucking phone after the first goal, but I was selfish. I wanted to watch the Habs beat the Leafs and I fucked it for us. So that's my piece. I, I'm sorry. I let my passion ruin the Habs chances at beating the Leafs on Saturday. Uh, but know, yeah, in reality, you did watch the game, right, Corey? Yes, I did. It was, uh, it was the first full game I've watched, uh, since my mom's hospital stuff. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. The boys played decent. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people calling for fucking Jake Allen's head. I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, there was, you know, like the first goal that uh, that Engvall kid who's on like a fucking four goal streak uh, the past like, you know, four games or it's a three goal, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I mean, fuck, dude, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shit right in front of him and he just softly drops a just, I don't know, it just slid across the fucking ice, dude. Like just in between seven fucking players, you know, you just couldn't see it. Just wasn't tracking well enough. But uh, I think we played – pretty decent in the beginning you know we we obviously were winning but 
just Toronto just fucking hit a switch and it just became us uh, trying to regain the momentum the entire game after that. And it was just, you know, we got the best of us. This is, you can watch this game and be like, damn, this is a team that needs a fucking break. This is a team that's hurting. Um, but there's one thing I got to say is I don't understand. Uh, and then we can go into it a little bit more, but uh, you got your youthful player, you know, Cole Caulfield, we'll say it, whatever. Uh, there's no reason for him to be sitting on the bench when, when, you know, he's not hurt. Yeah. He does need a bit of a rest, but like, if it's, if, if we're going down to, you know, to, to take the goalie out, to go on empty net, there's no way in hell this kid shouldn't be on the ice. And, uh, you know, there was a moment where he, he just looked like he knew what he was doing, you know, like he, he, he does, but I mean, um, he just looked hungry. He looked hungry the entire game. Um, took took a bit of a hit. One one too bad. Got up. Went on. Went on a. Oh man, it was it was almost fucking beautiful, poetic. Actually, fucking. Uh, he went on a, a breakaway. Caught a puck. Um, just guy fished it out. Um, really great stick play on him. Just got him right down at the bottom. Uh, right in front uh, of the muzzin. goalie. Muzzin, yeah, muzzin. Right? Yeah, that's um, when I tuned in, and the Leafs started playing. Yeah, and they they really amped it up at that point. But uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was moments where we looked really good. The problem is, is that you know, like we're just so fucking hurt. There's guys playing that are injured. You know, we saw Philip Deneau, and Philip Deneau not playing was such a big, a big problem. This was not, you know, he he couldn't control it. But this is not the game that we we need to lose. You know, Philip Deneau in. You know. Well, are you aware of what his injury is? Uh, uh, what they were saying online was it was a concussion. They kept saying it during the game, I believe, as well. Yeah, so Dino's out with a concussion, and I just – I got to say it. Uh, this team doesn't have a shot in hell against the Toronto Maple Leafs if Philip Dino isn't playing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this was, this was a great game for, for everybody who's been kind of shitting on Philip Dino. Uh, as of late, because it was kind of, I wouldn't say understandable in the beginning, because it was more of us just being stands and just being, you know, we expect more from you. But like you really saw it in this game. There was moments where we really needed the help. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I'm super proud of Nick Suzuki's play as of late. Um, I think he went nine and ten on the faceoffs. Um, he, he was remarkable in a game where we were just kind of. We couldn't get a face off to save our fucking life, it seemed. Uh, but Nick Suzuki was on top of that shit. There were moments, there was really great moments in the game. But I, I'm telling you, dude, they controlled that game. Once they found their rhythm, it was over. Fucking William Nylander can't stand his fucking face. Uh, you know, skate blade comes off. We we have an opportunity. They're a man down. Uh, we don't we don't put it away. This dude snaps a fucking blade on and scores. It, it's just. And it was a nasty fucking rebound goal, too. So it was just, you know, Jake Allen really couldn't fucking do anything about it. Um, well, that was also, if we're t- like, the first goal was. Was the, like, the, the Engvall one where it uh, it just kind of skated across the surface of the ice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking of yeah. the second goal. Yeah, you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was a line mismatch, mm-hmm. which I think we've seen Ducharme get caught on a lot this year, in which the fourth line you know, played, had a great shift brought into the offensive zone. They should have changed yeah. because then once the, they, the Leafs cleared it, 
the top line was coming out and they fucking torched them for a goal. That goal's not scored. I understand Philip Dino was injured. It's not scored if Philip Dino's lines on the ice. It's probably not scored if Suzuki's out there, right? So that was a little frustrating. Um, I do want to highlight what you said about Nick Suzuki, though. He has been playing absolutely amazingly lately. Um, this is what we want to see from him. Uh, keeping in mind, this is a, still a 56-game season this year. Um, he's gone through some you know, tough, tough first two seasons to break into the league. I think his development is right on track. I think he's projecting to be a star. I really do. Like, you know, we talk about guys getting a sophomore slump. Suzuki, I think, is still going to have more points than he did last year, and he's on pace to destroy it in an 82-game season. And I'm just looking back to the playoffs last year when he had, was it 9 and 10? 9 points in 10 games, 10 points in 10 games? It was something something like that. Well, he's coming into playoffs hot again. And it's looking like hopefully he's going to pick it up because Lord knows we're going to need Nick Suzuki, not only offensively, but especially defensively with the loss of Philip Deneau. Uh, Deneau recently, I was looking at advanced stats on uh, from Jay Fresh on Twitter. Jay Fresh, baby. Yeah, um, Deneau was the second rated, uh, I forget what it was, basically like, end-all be-all stat for advanced analytics on defensive forwards he was second the selkie stat <laughs> yeah the selkie stat and deno or and sorry that was deno deno was way up mm-hmm. there i think he's once again proven how valuable he is and suzuki was in the top 10 as well oh great so you know not only is he getting her done offensively he's a remarkable player just on all fronts uh, just a two-way forward yeah and it's looking like i forget was it Druen, the Patrice Bergeron comparisons. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not there yet, but if he can turn into anything close to Patrice Bergeron, then we we got we that's we money, won. dude. Yeah, we won. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, your your stat though, uh, his playoffs, he had uh, four goals for seven points in the playoffs. When and how many games was it? Uh, ten games. So he was, was he was rolling. Games. He was rolling. Um, uh, but yeah, so. Um, what I wanted to talk about, though, because I, I just mentioned the faceoffs, right? We were 38%, right? That is probably our season lowest. And um, the final goal, the Mitch Marner goal, like it opens up. The, the, the goal is off of a fucking faceoff, right? But I mean, if they're 63% won the faceoff the entire night, you know that's coming. And I, and I don't say you, you prepare for it, but if they're winning that so much, why not go for it, you know? And the Leafs are strong enough and, and they're they're skilled enough to, to get away with a play like that. And if we're just – they're pumping us on, on the fucking – on the dot, you know they're going to try it. And sure enough, they did, and it just caught Allen off guard. You know, it was just kind of a miserable, miserable performance uh, on the dot for us. Um, Eric Stahl, 15%. It was, was not his game. I mean, Jake Evans fucking – Jake Evans and Nick Suzuki – were were our you know saving graces of that 38 percent um it was just it was just tough it was real tough not gonna lie yeah um in talking about the face-off circle i think like we do a lot of bashing as a fan base and sometimes on this podcast but it's the nature of what we do um eric stall man uh you know, since we're talking about stats and, you know, kind of face-offs and stuff, he's been horrible. 
I don't I don't know the exact split stat for Eric Stahl on the season since joining the Habs, but I know he was above 50% in Buffalo and he's now below 50% in Montreal. So he's had, he has three points in 39 games. He has barely produced anything. He's a $3.5 million cap hit. And if if I'm being honest with you, I don't, I think it really stems down to they. There's just no true spot for him. And I don't think that. And there's no movement. He has it left, right? He doesn't have what Corey Perry has left. I, you know, truthfully, I think he might. I think I don't think he's far away. You know, we saw a 2016, 2017 season. He still had it. Granted, that's just a couple of years back. But I just don't think that there's a, a legit spot where he can regain that composure other than the fourth line. And he's not I a guess... fourth-line player. And, you know, our buddy, um, Alberta Hoppy, told us that. And, you know, it, it's it's come to fruition. You know, I can't wait to, to fuck with him when we go on his podcast one day because, I mean, he's, he's he was relatively right. He, he, he you know – he had a great idea. He said, I just don't think he's going to excel in the fourth line. He's not that type of player. And- I agree. Like, I totally agree with what you're saying. <clears throat> and I want to say, like, I was a huge – I wasn't thrilled with the acquisition, but I'm pretty sure I spoke positively. We took it with a grain of salt, but we, we understood yeah. he was a, he was going to be a veteran, and, and that was maybe something we needed. We were losing what I, centers. What I think Mark Bergevin failed to realize – or maybe he just didn't care, is that when you're bringing in Eric Stahl, not only, you're log jamming a position that was already log jammed for guys like Kakeniemi, right? You take, yeah, you tell telling Kakeniemi mainly, and then Jake Evans, sadly, to go fuck himself. <laughs> but with KK, it's he already had Deneau in front of him mm-hmm. and Suzuki. So you're already kind of – it's a tricky situation there, right? But when you add Eric Stahl, not only are you – you know, he's going to get time when you first acquire him, but Dominic Ducharme as a rookie coach has to deal with quite a few future Hall of Famers, triple gold club members, Eric Stahl and Corey Perry. Uh, Carey – Carey Price hopefully one day will be a part of that, right? Whether that's with the Habs or not. Um, Shea Weber is a Hall of Famer. Carey Price is a Hall of Famer. Both those guys I just mentioned, that you know, that's four guys. I think Weber probably the least of them all, but three that are pretty much well walks for the Hall, right? I think that's fair. Like I don't think that's absurd to it's say. Not, it's not out of pocket. I think Price and Perry definitely our locks for the hall 100 eric stall i think is probably gonna go to the hall and i i think weber will get in eventually i really do mm-hmm. um but i'm to get back to my point if you're dominic ducharme your rookie coach you're, you're gonna scratch eric stall like right he basically I just think got it's a thrown a, a situation he, he got thrown a fucking like a fucking puzzle box from like a daycare that's got pieces from the wrong from like multiple puzzles in it you know like and this dude's trying to fucking fix this this puzzle that's fucking got like you know pieces for a 500 you know puzzle set in a fucking uh 25 children's version you know like it's a mess it's a mess and you know there's there's a lot of disarm hate there's a lot of there's what, what can you do as, as a rookie coach and get thrown in and uh, Bergevin is 
basically looked like he was playing fantasy hockey, right? He saw all these acquisitions and just started scooping up everybody who was fucking, you know, in the top 50, you know, in the league. And not saying that that's, that's what these guys were, you know, but like, you know, you, you, you're in a deep league, you see all these, these additives you can bring in. He brought in too much. And guess what? It kind of fucked with the lineup to the point to where it's straining Kotkin Emmy. And like you said, like Evans and fucking, you know, Cole Caulfield has a stance. I do. Like, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. And we talk a lot about like in the playoffs, like, you, you, like, sorry, I, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Like I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think in the playoffs, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those lines, right? Because you're going to have a lot of guys coming back. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the end of fucking Avengers Endgame with like all the portals. And <laughs> Everyone's like, fucking available, and you're yeah, just like, everyone. Fuck. It's like Gallagher, Pry, like every everyone's coming back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the lines because you know once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen, and you're not focused on youth. You want to win, so. I have absolutely no clue what's going to happen in the playoffs. I really don't. I said before I wanted Allen to ride it out. I, I might even still be on that uh, bandwagon, to be honest. Um, we'll see how Price – if Price doesn't get a regular season game in, I don't want him in. But he yeah. will be in. Don't get me wrong. He will. There is, there is no chance in hell Carey Price doesn't start in the playoffs if he's healthy. He will be in, but I just I think he I personally think he needs a game in the regular season at least. Um, but I guess moving because I'm I'm kind of way off topic here, but it just came into my mind. And before I forget, um, I don't. First of all, I don't think Montreal, like I said, without Deneau, is going to succeed. And I want to talk about that more because. Not only are we heading into a contract year for Philip Deneau, which is important, we're also heading into an offseason in which Mark Bergevin's future should be anything but certain. And I think the two ride hand-in-hand together. I think if Montreal beats the Leafs this year, Mark Bergevin's going to keep his job. I I really do think so. If if this team, I think any I think any GM, you know, if you beat the Leafs with this team right now and and this and the problems that we've had, I think you but, you, you kind of cash your chicken. You I chicken, think, you know? especially since when you look at the way he constructed it, it hasn't worked well in practice. The Leafs are mm-hmm. seven and three against us, or something. Seven two and one. Yeah, so yeah, seven and three. Um, but I do think Mark Bergevin built this team to tackle them, to tackle teams like them. I think that was his vision when building this team. They haven't played that way at all. It hasn't worked. So I think it'll be whole, so exciting to beat the Leafs, but also I don't want it to validate him in a way. Right. So, but if Philip Deneau is not in the lineup, that's a tough hill. It do, I really don't think it matters how well Nick Suzuki plays or Kakaniemi. Um, if you know, if they really, if they reach their ultimate potential somehow, possibly, but you're not. Even if offensively they start tearing it up, you will not go shot for shot against the Toronto Maple Leafs. If it turns into an offensive series, which is the only way I think you know, those young guys are going to 
start want to play regardless of Nick Suzuki's defensive prowess. I don't think you, you win. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, Nick Suzuki has been fucking amazing, phenomenal. One of our best players lately, if not the best, but at the end of the day, you know, we thought, and we discussed it a lot and I've got taken a really roundabout way of getting here. So I apologize, but <laughs> we discussed at the start of the season that at the end, Philip Deneau was probably going to be our third line center. And I'm here saying that Philip Deneau is still the best center on our team. He's our number one center. Yeah. Um, you can disagree with me, maybe. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just think when I look at it that way. If you if you look at if you look at the paper, right? And I mean, it's kind of tough because like when you when you when you hear about, you know, like like people like uh, Nathan McKinnon saying, you know, like uh, the most aggravating person to go up against is Philip Deneau. Yeah, you know, he. I think he's just had more time in the league. He's he excels at that, you know, that bothersome, you know, role. He's a sulky candidate, but I don't think Nick Suzuki and KK has had that much of a, a chance to do that. But in games like like Saturday, uh, when you can really tell that he's gone, it kind of shows like, hey, like. You know, these young kids are really great, but there's still something that's missing, right? And uh, I, I think I think that our final game against Toronto really kind of really kind of proved that, you know, uh, that he still deserves that that front spot, that top, you know, the, the first line uh, center. Sorry, I'm just kind of had a fucking brain fart. Uh, I think the boys oh, are coming up. I think I think it's it's out of question that they will make that jump. But as of right now, you, I think you're right. You know, in the beginning of the season, we might've, we might've thought otherwise, but I think this, this team had a tough, a tough season. Philip Deneau definitely had a tough season. And uh, I think he's, really, I don't know if he, he has though. I think offensively he struggled a lot at the start of the year. Do you still need more than five goals from Philip Deneau? Yes. But, yeah, but defensively he was still kind of there. Like there was there was moments in the beginning well, where he evidently, wasn't, right? But he, but he definitely yeah, based on his his analytics and I didn't know it was that strong until we we looked at the the J Fresh uh stuff. Shout out J Fresh. It really proves that like he could be quiet offensively and still be as dominant as he can be and you just don't fucking notice it. You know, or, or it just goes over your head cuz you're you're upset he's not scoring that much, but it uh as bad as this team has been this season and how good, how quietly good he's been shows that he still deserves the first spot now, right now, not, not forever, you know, but at least going into next season, he's got to sit at least one or two and two is only because you're thinking Nick Suzuki can really make a break for it next season. And, you know, and they kind of share, like we were talking in the beginning, that one, a B one, a one B role. I firmly believe that Philip Deneau is a must sign player in the offseason i think montreal fans media even maybe the own organization i think part of it is they recognize how good he is and see him as a roadblock for kk and suzuki well first of all the only roadblock in kk's development is dominic ducharme right now it's not allowing him to make mistakes it's not allowing him to play and i don't want to hear the bullshit about trying to get into the playoffs because it's been all fucking season mm-hmm. so you need a new coach. You need a Joel Bouchard. Okay. 
a guy who I really do think long-term it would serve us best to keep him in our AHL developing our prospects, but that guy is going to be an NHL coach soon. And I don't want to him. I don't want to lose him. Right. So keep in mind, this is an interim tag for Dominic Ducharme. He's not the guy. If you want to keep him in your organization, you still can. Joel Bouchard, I think, has to be strongly be, considered for right, the head like coach. Right, like being being bred as of now. Create create the depth of our youth, bring them up, and then how amazing is it? And then he's going to coach them. He in the gets, yeah, and they're already comfortable with him. They know how he plays. They know what the, what he expects. You know, it's 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 part of the Toronto approach with Keith too, right? Right. And I, but going back to Dano. I don't, I don't think this team is built to play without him because they're so reliant on him. As phenomenal defensively as Nick Suzuki is, he cannot and hasn't yet, maybe he will in his prime, but I think with his offensive ability, you don't want him shutting down guys. You want him scoring, right? Deneau can just... There aren't a lot of centers that do what Deneau does the, uh, to the ability that he does it. Sean Couturier is definitely one of them. Bergeron in his heyday. Like, Deneau's special, and I think he's got to be a priority. I think this team, for a long time, Montreal has always been weak down the middle to this day, really. Like, we're not still on a strong team down the middle but it's going to be a position of strength very shortly. Why do you want to get rid of some of that? You know, we've right. been craving this for so long. I don't think plainly, I don't know if you've listened to Habs tonight with Dale Weiss. He's got mm-hmm. a podcast going. I've listened to other, you know, NHL players talk about it. Dale Weiss especially said, there's no way in hell Phil would have turned down that $5 million contract. He said he doesn't know for sure. But right. this guy, who, how long did they play together? Three years, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't, and the reports were never confirmed. We've seen a lot of backlash from it, but people run with the first thing they hear. I don't think Philip Deneau turned down a five, five million AAV contract, especially in this climate, seeing what Toffoli's making. I don't think he turned that down. So I think it's a priority for Bergevin or whoever we have heading into the offseason to sign this guy. I think this team, when you look at, you know, we're talking about playing the Leafs. I think he's the most important player in that series. No, you're right. And uh, I guess guess to just double back on it, um, this team has always struggled uh, offensively. And yeah, granted, we could have, we would have loved to see more offensively from Phillip to know this season. But, you know, what I've noticed is that, just as you know, one game since he's been gone, we really can't afford to not have him there play defensively. So if he's not there, period, whether it's injury or he's not even on the team anymore, we're we're taking a huge step back into uh, I wouldn't say a rebuild, but like fixing our defensive, you know, forward energy. I guess um, I don't think this team can can move forward, not just in the playoffs, but uh, you know. I don't think I don't think we can move into next season without Dano, without really, really having a, a rough a rough go of it again. I have I don't I don't 
I have to eat my words because in the beginning I was so upset with the nose performance and then to close out the season and realize that he he did his game. He he played the exact way he could, just the you know, the offensive side didn't didn't catch wind for him, didn't catch fire. So what? But now that he's gone, the one game noticing it, yeah. Um, I mean it, it is the Leafs who's fucking on a you know, on a tear, but we're gonna notice it in the playoffs that he's not there. And uh, hopefully that shuts up a lot of fucking stands on Twitter and, and our fan base. That's just kind of too, a little too hard on him based off of, like you're saying, evidence that we don't know if he said he, he turned down that five, you know, uh, I don't think he doesn't like to play here. I think he got a, a chance to play here and he, he excelled at it. You know, who, who wants to leave uh, a, a top franchise, uh, one of the best markets and then play a, a top role in the rebuilding and, consistency of of this team it's uh i don't know man i I love that jay fresh can just fucking blow my fucking mind like that though i I tell you i don't i don't think it really blew my mind though because when playing edmonton you know people are gonna go oh mcdavid's still got a point whatever like yeah well mcdavid's fucking mcdavid's fucking mcdavid what's your goddamn point as far as I'm concerned, if you held Gretzky in his heyday to two or three points, you were doing your. You did your job. <laughs> like the that, fact that the fact that we did like what four games without giving McDavid or Drysaddle a point. Yeah, kind of speaks volumes. They're you know? gonna get their points. Is my like look at how many they got in total with Dano on the ice? I bet you it's not that many. Because a lot of the time, when right after I said that, I got tweeted a bit. But for half the points, it was like Evans or someone else on the ice, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't even fucking Deneau. Um, So that's a big contract extension or just contract in general that's going to be talked about going into the offseason. But another one, and we got reports from Elliot Friedman that there are discussions going on with Molson and Bergevin about his future at the organization. Now, I'm so fucking hopeful that it's not a contract extension. Whose future? Burge? Burge Vance. Okay. Um, I hope it's not a contract extension. He doesn't deserve one. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really torn. And I kind of want to save this for our... Um, Wednesday? Yeah, our little tease at a uh, possible collaboration we're working towards for Wednesday. So we'll keep that a little quieter but i do want to just talk about a little bit because while it's still fresh um i just want to know what your thoughts are like how give them the 30 minute resident evil demo bud (laughs) how how tired how done are you with bergevin are you at boy like the breaking point are you kind of if like what has this i'll say i'll say i'll say i'm at an if right um and I was all on the Berg van train, right? I was all on the Berg van train. Um, but this, this free agency just stretch that we kind of just got through um, has kind of dulled me a little bit to it. If he gets moved, yeah, I'll be a little upset. I like, I like the moves he's made in the past. Um, some of them I didn't like, you know, we, we obviously know that, but um I think I, I think I'm in the boards, but I'm more on like if he got moved, I would understand it. You know, I wouldn't be as like this is bullshit. Yeah, so, I'm a. 
I know you're ready. You fucking. I I don't know. I guess my <laughs> issue is is that I was a firm believer in the Berger plan, and I loved his off season. And that's the problem. I think all of his off season acquisitions have been amazing. I know people have been getting on Josh Anderson as of late, but I'm that you know his fucking okay, hundred percent guaranteed. He's playing still hurt. <laughs> yeah, and his role is to throw the body and score goals, which he's done at a 32 Decimated at fucking yeah. over 100 hits, I believe, this season. Oh, well over. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, well, we'll discuss it more next week. Um, Moving on to, I guess, the next topic would be our um, – our uh, game on what Edmonton tomorrow, as when this episode's coming out. Uh, yes, it'll be uh, our our last our last little bit. So we got uh, it's so crazy to think that this we got two games left. Uh, I was blown away when I got on Twitter uh, while I was editing the other day, and people like uh, uh not the other day, I'm sorry, uh, Saturday, and people being like, uh, like sporty, you know, like uh, Corey and Richie being like, all right, that's the end of the season. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Are we are we already here? Uh, but yeah, Monday, um, 7 p.m. Edmonton, and then Wednesday, Edmonton. That's it. That's it for us. Yeah. So our last two games, um, it's almost a formality that we'll be playing the Leafs now, unless yeah. there is a scenario if if Winnipeg drops their next two, and we win both of ours, <laughs> oh. it could happen, and I'm hopeful. Yeah. It, it actually, it doesn't really matter at this point with Dino being gone. Before I was hopeful exactly. that because Dino against McDavid and Drysdale, but yeah, you know wh- whoever we play, I think it's gonna be really interesting. And I guess I'll just get we'll just finish kind of get towards the end here and just get some predictions from you. Like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the lineup's gonna look like? Uh, tonight for the those listening when this comes out, so the Monday game. Uh, I'll. Uh, <laughs> well, fuck. I was. Uh, man, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even touch anything. If I'm if I'm being honest, um, I don't. I think Eric Stahl is gonna. You know, you can't. You, there's there's no movements you can make as far as that. I, I I think last two games into the season they probably won't touch anything. I don't think. I think they'll just let it run as it's been. So you think uh, KK is going to be back on that second first line with was it Tatar and Anderson? I I didn't watch enough of the game too. Yeah, I, I would I would hope so. And uh, I so, just think I just think because it's it's just the last two. So you don't, you don't, don't shake think, it up. You don't think we're going to shake it up at all? I don't think so. Uh, I think. I think if we were going to shake it up, it would have been after the 5-2 loss to uh, to Toronto and then go into, uh, you know, our 2-3, our and three, you know, our 3-2 loss. But at, at this point, it's two games left. Don't make it harder on our team to get adjusted by, by bringing a brand new – there's been so much jumbling this entire season, especially this back end of it. Don't fuck with it. Just just let it happen. You know, you're going into a monstrous Edmonton team, Edmonton team who Connor McDavid just fucking, I mean, he had one game out of 10 where he scored zero, had zero points, and every other game was at least three or four. He, you know, got 100 points Saturday night. Um, 
I think that rig is going to keep fucking rolling. And uh, I think I think it's going to be a tough one for us. So why why even play with the lines? Let that be somewhat a bit of consistency right now. Yeah, I uh, I think that's fair to say. I don't know if um I don't know. I don't know if I think we're going to have the same lines. I think Ducharme's style seems to be put KK in a blunder with some random wingers, and let's see what happens. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, him out there with two guys. Somehow, Ducharme will find two guys that he's never played with. Right. And we'll see what happens. But my ideal look would be, I don't want to break up that Toffoli line, or sorry, that Toffoli-Suzuki line. I think they've been phenomenal. I got to see KK with Cole. If you fail to put those two together, I think it's just pathetic. Yeah. Um, Mine's based off of just pure laziness, I guess. Just being... We've been fucking so hit or miss. Just, just finish out, finish it out, as is. Fuck, I, I would drop stall down to the fucking fourth. Bring up Evans and just put Evans, KK. I mean Evans, Caulfield, and Perry, and just let it run like that. That'd yeah. be my only. That'd be my only want of change because Evans has once again proven that, you know, fourth line. Yeah, he's phenomenal. No, at fourth he's, line. A, he's a third line guy. He's but, future third line star center. If that makes sense, like I get what you're saying. Uh, when when Dano is criti- critical, critical, in. critical when needed, definitely on the dot. And if Eric Stahl comes in and does a 15 percenter, I think there's there's a definite case for for Jake Evans' youthfulness to come up and play with a youthful Cole Caulfield and a very talented, very refreshed uh, Corey Perry. I do like that line of. Lekin and Evans and uh, Caulfield, though. Mm-hmm. Lecky's played phenomenally lately, by the way. I don't know if we've talked about him enough. So is Armia, but Lekin and just playing for his fucking job, you know? Yeah, uh, really. And I think Evans, his forecheck ability matched with Evans' IQ and Caulfield's just raw talent has just been, they've been a fun third line to watch. 100%. And, you know, I understand that call. They, they have Armia with Suzuki and Toffoli. Um, Armia, we, we know, obviously can shine when he when he can, when he's when he's on it. But uh, I, I definitely understand why, you know, Caulfield is down, uh, you know, not on that line just to kind of give some type of spark with a Corey Perry or a, or a Lekkonen. Um That's not Armia, you know. But like I said, my only want of change would be to drop stall to the fourth, let it just happen. Bring up Evans; he definitely deserves it. Close out the season on a on a good note, it, it, at least for our young centers. You know, Deneau's not here. You know, so let's let's finally let these centers run wild and get a get a shot. Yeah, uh, I do love KK with the Tar and Anderson though, love it. Um, and I I just I just hate it. You know. Uh, we're, we're seeing the, the Gal Chenyuk shuffle with KK and it, it's time for them to, to lock him in somewhere and just be like, Hey, fucking just <laughs> get used to it. We won't, we won't do this to you anymore. Yeah. I think we'll leave that for next week because I want to talk about mm-hmm. it at the end of the season. We'll see what happens. If they give him a chance, I might be less critical, but I'm definitely frustrated to say the <laughs> least. And I'm sure he is with uh, his development. Um, but anyway, I think that's going to wrap things up today. We're kind of starting to ramble on a little bit. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to say? 
because it is uh, your episode, so I guess I'll have to close this out. Yeah, I do have to close this. I am addicted to the show. It's bad. I'm so fucking addicted addicted to that game. Um, and I lost in fantasy hockey. That's it. I fucking got skull dragged. Uh, I took the dub. So, dude, this would have been my fourth year winning in a row. I've I've been dynasty era good, you know, <laughs> and I got squashed. But uh, no, let's uh, we can end it there, uh, folks. Thank y'all so much for listening. Please follow us at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Bayou Vendors. We want to do a little bit more stuff involving you guys soon, and we're going to try to evolve that into something uh, in the near future. But please, thank y'all so much uh, for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Saberland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next year? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Jack Eichel will be here. Sam Reinhardt can get extended. You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres.